Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If it's not in our best interest, it's not in his either. And he's going to speak up about it. This is The Roy Green Show. How good are your math skills? Oh, I want you to hear this. Go ahead, please, play it. Doug Ford wants to take a bulldozer to a province that has worked so hard to get to this place. I'm surprised that the the finance minister and and the premier are up here saying, we're giving away free cars. We're going to pay your mortgage. You get a free car. You get a free car. You get a free car. That's next on their agenda. Okay, so there they are, the the, the stars of the show. Two of them, anyway. Went in Ford. Andrew Horvath is part of the uh, equation. But how good are your math skills, ladies and gentlemen? Just do a, a, a little uh, addition here, would you please? $822 million plus $575 million plus $800 million plus $2.1 billion plus $2.2 billion plus $1 billion plus $650 million plus $100 million plus $300 million plus $1.8 billion plus $2.3 billion. Yeah, it doesn't matter that you didn't add it up. There was a lot of billions and a lot of multiples of millions, and that is what the Ontario Premier and her finance minister promised in the budget a couple of days ago, the provincial budget. $312 billion, I think it is, that the province is in debt, the, the largest subnational debt in the world. And for some reason, some reason... This stuff appears to work. I was looking at some polling information. 24% liked what was in the budget in Ontario. It's like forum research. 24% liked it. 44% disapproved of it. One out of four, <laughs> one out of four people said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's good. I like it. You do realize that they don't have the money. You do realize they're massively in debt. You do realize you will pay for this. All of it. You will pay for the debt, the $312 billion, which is expected to be uh, $400 billion pretty soon. You'll pay for it. Your kids will pay for it. Your grandkids will pay for it. Your Great-grandkids will pay for it. But there's a grinning premier and a happy finance minister. They've more than doubled the debt of the province of Ontario since the liberals have been in power. Now, it's not just them. If you're in Alberta, you have an election coming up next year, somewhere between the 1st of March and May the 31st, and you know... You know, Madame Notley is going to pull the same stunt. They will promise you this, 
And that they may, in fact, do pretty much a copy of the Ontario budget promise. Some different numbers, but, you know, if this seems to work for wind, then Notley will try probably the same stuff. Oh, did we mention that there's another election in 2019 in October? The 21st of October? The federal election? And with Mr. Trudeau's polling numbers, we talked with Daryl Bricker from Ipsos, was it last week or week before last, about Mr. Trudeau's numbers dropping. You know, (laughs) even though they have... uh, increased their projected deficits in multiples. And even though the federal debt, the national debt, is massive and growing larger, and even though interest rates are climbing, and they'll, yeah, they'll promise you a whole bunch of stuff in the multiples of billions as well. And you will pay for it. Your kids will pay for it. Your grandchildren will pay for it. Their kids will pay for it. And probably two or three or four or five or six more generations after that in a country that shouldn't be a diamond debt. And who do they constantly turn into the hydrant? The small business community of Canada. The people who do most of the hiring. They're always on the receiving end of either government-expressed nastiness or government programs that reach into the pockets of the entrepreneurs who... If they make a profit, they reinvest the profit in their business. But the politicians who want to be elected, particularly those on the left, will tell you, oh, those terrible business people, you know, they have yachts and Ferraris. and They have islands right next to Uncle K. Oh, yeah. Dan Kelly is probably wincing now. It kind of feels like a toothache, doesn't it, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if I could disagree with you, Roy, I would. It's uh, it, these are some worrisome times. Governments of you know those of us that care about uh, government uh, government spending, ensuring that uh, the government is kept small and reasonable, ensuring that our grandkids are not going to be left with you know massive amounts of debt, have had a pretty good run. Governments of really of all political stripes, all political parties, Tory, Liberal, NDP really started to, to get with the program and understand that, that deficit financing is not a good idea, that, that paying down debt once in a while is a good idea. But it seems that, that has, uh, has been, those hard-learned uh, hard lessons have been largely forgotten in the last couple of months, last couple of years. Dan Kelly is the president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. They represent the small and medium-sized business community in this country, and they're the number one employers. They employ over 50% of people who have jobs in Canada. So to keep these businesses in business means that we will keep so many millions of jobs uh, available. Dan, what if, uh, what if your, your members suddenly decided to be as fiscally responsible as governments are? Uh, you know, it is it's deeply troubling to it us is. When, when we see what happens, uh, and, and you can borrow examples from personal finance, from business finance, uh, even other things in, in one's personal life to, to, to draw some pretty clear analogies of why what we're doing in Canada, what many provincial governments and what our federal government is doing is such a bad idea. 
I, I just, Roy, I mean, forget the, the, the small business owner right now, but I'll, I'll give you a personal example. I just, over the last couple of years, lost uh, almost 50 pounds. And that was a hard thing to do. It wow. took a lot of work uh, for me to do that, both uh, exercise and, and dieting. And I know that if I go out to a restaurant, I'm here in Vancouver visiting family for the Easter, if I go to an ice buffet and, have a, and, and decide to eat a little bit more than I normally would, that, that things are not going to be a problem. I can, I can get through that and, and get back on track the next day and, and all will be well. But if I do that again and again, if I do that every day or every month, I know that I'm going to start stacking the weight back on and loss and, 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 and all the hard-earned battles <laughs> are going to be gone. And this is what governments are doing. They, you know, I think Canadians understood during the last federal election campaign when Trudeau said that he was going to run uh, three short-term small deficits in order to give the economy a bit of a boost. Canadians said, you know what, okay, we've, we've managed through this pretty well. That seems like a reasonable plan. There's no long-term, uh, long-term plans associated with deficit financing. So let's do it. And, and that would have been fine. I don't even think my members were ter- terribly freaked out about that, Who and they are uh, more hawkish about deficit spending than many. But that's not what's happening, and that's not what's happening at the provincial level. I mean, gosh, the, the provincial governments, uh, the provincial government in Ontario finally started to get the deficit somewhat under control. That was, that was debatable. The Government Accountability Office said that, in fact, the budget wasn't balanced in Ontario. And then on the even election campaign, the government says, hey, you know what, let's try to, uh, let's try to score points with another political party's supporters by forgetting about deficits altogether, ditching that plan, and, and ramping up spending on absolutely everything that moves. And the question that I think politicians have to ask, Canadians need to ask, and I think you asked moments ago, is this spending priority, and there are many, is it important enough that I'm willing to pass the bill for that to my grandkids? And if we're not willing to say yes, that this $2 billion for that or this $5 billion for this other idea is worth giving the bill to your grandchildren, then maybe you've got to figure out another way to get there. And, and I don't think we're asking that question often enough. We're not. And Dan, if it weren't election time, you wouldn't be seeing these things. This is carefully planned. They knew they were in the hole as far as polling was concerned. They knew the only way out was uh, smoke and mirrors. And so here came the smoke, and there are the mirrors, and here are the numbers, and here are the plans. And if you buy them, you know, I, I won't even go back to that old cliche about Florida. But if it, it's not just Ontario. It will happen in Alberta. It will happen in, uh, in our federal election twice next year. It will happen when Mr. Horgan and Mr. Weaver decide they're no longer best friends. It will happen in British Columbia as well. And people are going to have to learn to realize we don't have the money. And if you borrow, there's interest to be paid and interest rates are climbing. And so what you owe today, if you don't make a substantial payment later in the day, is going to be significantly more tomorrow because of the amount of the debt that's involved. Plus, add to that the fact that individual Canadians are living with record high personal debt. This stuff has to stop. And it's not, it's not responsible for Premier Wynne or Premier Notley to come or Justin Trudeau to come or Premier Horgan to come to pull the same stunt uh, any more than it is for the individual person to say, yeah. You know, I don't care how much it costs. How can I make the payments? 
You're absolutely right. And in fact, my worry is even deeper than that, though. And that is, you know, yes, this is an incredibly cynical pre-election move of the Ontario government to do this. And you're quite right that that could be replicated uh, and has been replicated, uh, sadly, in provinces across the country. But what worries me even more than that is the fact that I think that this is starting to become a practice that forget an election, governments are starting to say, well, why is it so important? Why why are we worried about deficits in the first place? And that could then last beyond election time. I look, for example, just just uh, in the last week or so, uh, the Newfoundland and Labrador budget came out, and that's a problem province that's got some deep, deep-rooted problems. And and both political parties in in Newfoundland and Labrador have have a lot to uh, to be blamed. The Tories uh, certainly were not <laughs> were no better uh, in terms of managing their finance than than the Liberals were. So this is not a partisan thing. But in Newfoundland and Labrador now, already, uh, the uh, the cost to service the debt is greater than the cost of providing education in Newfoundland and Labrador, and it's approaching the size of providing health care funding to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Just to service the debt. Just to service the debt, not to pay any of it back. <laughs> and that is a sneak preview of what is coming to yeah. province after province after province. Dan, let me, let, me get, let me get you to, issue. Let me get you to hold on. Political parties that want to spend more, but that spending is not going to become possible. It's not going to be possible because we're going to be spending all of our dough just to manage the debt for what we've had from the past. Let me get you to hold on for just a second because we have to pay some bills ourselves. And then we'll come back and we'll talk some more with Dan Kelly and then we're going to turn it over to you at 800-263-2428. If you already have something to say about this, load them up. 800-263-2428. More with Dan Kelly, President and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business on this madness of going into this massive debt that is going to have to be paid off by multiple generations of Canadians yet unborn. His bark is worse than his bite. This is the Roy Green Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Madame Wynn, why are you smiling? Every time Kathleen Wynn smiles, I feel like something just died. Rob Ford sounds like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I just, yeah, I stop it, Roy. Uh, the government budget, the uh, Ontario budget, is going to add some $6.7 billion to the deficit. And uh, reading from CFIB, Canadian Federation of Independent Business, um, the deficit will be driven by more than $20 billion in spending over the next three years. The government doesn't plan to get the books balanced until 24 25 the proposed deficit will add more than $30 billion to Ontario's provincial debt and increase annual interest payments on the debt to $17 billion per year by 24-25. That's the point you were just making, Dan Kelly. Yeah, so, you know, that, that's why this 
should not be a partisan thing, you know. And I think the Globe had an editorial on this as well. I mean, if you care about public spending, you want to make sure that you're doing it in a careful way, so that you're not paying giant deficit, that you're not spending giant interest payments, sending them to billionaires, and then not having money to pay for social programs. If you're conservative, or if you're if you care about tax reductions, you want to keep, create some capacity to do that. You got to make sure you're not spending billions of dollars in interest payments to balance the book, and and you know this is again you see the the Republicans in the U.S. Uh, spending vastly more than than the the government is taking in. So uh, this this crosses po- the political spectrum as well, but it is important stuff. We've got to make sure that we are living within our means. We know that this doesn't work. If I want to go on an extra trip and I put it on my credit card. Yeah, I can maybe do that once in a blue moon. But if I start doing that all the time, that's when the bills come home and the creditors start knocking at my door. Dan, in the minute or so we have left, there's also the angle or the perspective here that needs to be remembered that as governments uh, raise their their debt, they're also going to raise taxes and because we're going to have to pay for it. And taxes will increase on your members, the small business community of this country, which drives the economy by the the jobs they create. So this is not this is also something that has to be remembered. They're going to put people out of business. You're absolutely right. We know that today's today's deficits are tomorrow's taxes and those taxes increasingly governments are turning to SMEs, small medium-sized firms to to pick up the tab. Uh, and by doing that, they make their own job harder because then of course there isn't the economic activity that generates the tax revenue in the first place. So yeah. this is all a system, and, and sadly, government, after learning that lesson across the political spectrum, seems to be forgetting it. Always great speaking with you, Dan. Thank you so much for taking the time on the Easter weekend. Anytime, Roy. Bye-bye. Dan Kelly, President CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. My phone lines are already loading up at 800-263-2428. Make sure that you get in with your points of view and uh, your thoughts so passing on billions and billions and billions of dollars in promises in Ontario for the June 7th vote. People can't afford it. It's just an election gimmick. It's going to happen in Alberta when Rachel Notley wants to be reelected somewhere between March the 1st and May 31st of next year, less than a year away. Justin Trudeau is going to do it to you on uh, the 21st of October next year with all sorts of promises about spending on programs that they can't afford because they don't have the money. And the debt increases, and so do the interest payments. It has to stop. And yet a percentage of people in the province of Ontario are moving toward win. One out of four people in the province of Ontario supports the win budget. What is wrong? 800-263-2428. Straight talk, no nonsense, honest debate. This is the Roy Green Show. We're talking about uh, finances, government finances, the debts they incur, the promises they make, the money they promise to spend, the money they spend that we don't have, that they don't have, that we get charged interest on. 
in British Columbia. Just looking at some numbers here from 2017 that were run by the TAI. Uh, total debt figure has grown steadily from 38, $33.8 billion in 2001 to $45.2 billion in 2011 to $66.7 billion in the fiscal year that just ended. So that would have been 16, I guess. And the February budget projected the total provincial debt would keep rising to $77.7 billion by 2020. That's British Columbia. And there was a global news story that uh, also suggested that many people in B.C. are about 200 bucks away from not being able to pay their bills. The government doesn't care. But if you can't pay your taxes, <laughs> they're coming for you. Let's go to your calls at 800-263-2428. We have some numbers for Alberta as well. And uh, Tom is in Toronto. Hey, Tom, thank you for the call. Please go ahead, sir. Roy, love your show. Uh, great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. My uh, pleasure. Thank you, sir. Um, so Mr. Kelly touched on a really important point, which is well, he talked about how in Newfoundland uh, debt servicing costs are just about to overtake education. In Ontario, there are, I believe they're the number three line item uh, interest costs on our debt, and they're bigger than colleges and universities. So the future is here in Ontario, and he also made the good point that this is not a political issue. We finally got Tom Mulcair on behalf of the NDP to acknowledge that fiscal responsibility, you know, is not a left-right issue. And, uh, of course, Justin Trudeau outmaneuvered him on the left uh, and exploited that. But, but if you like social spending, you want balanced budgets. And if you like lower taxes, you want balanced budgets. So why is this so hard for Kathleen Wynne to understand? Because they're irresponsible. Because they like their jobs. Because it's easy for them to get money. And it's easy for them to defer. And when the, when the, when the, when the, when the bill collector starts knocking on the door, they won't be in power anymore. Right. So it won't matter because, you know, she'll be serving on boards and making tons of money and they don't care. They 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 want to get. They love their job. They want to be reelected. It's a good gig. Well, ho- hopefully, uh, the public, you know, on the left, on the right, and in the middle, gets energized on this issue. Because uh, if we were in balance, just think about what we could do. That that's the challenge to all Canadians. Yeah, and I'm going to be talking about Part B of this issue in a few minutes with Dan McTague, who's an 18-year veteran of politics federally, and uh, the chief analyst for gasbuddy.com. We're going to talk about how well off we could be if we used our natural resources. Tom, thank you very much for your call. Back to your calls in a second. I just want to read you something here. For those of you in Alberta, and I told you, Rachel Notley is going to do the same thing to you that Kathleen Wynne is doing in in Ontario. She'll do that to you next year. Um, In 2004, Alberta was debt-free. So 14 years ago, no debt. Then the PCs ran a, um, their, their final budget, I think it was for five, a deficit of $5 billion. And now the deficit is $7.1 billion, at least that's their forecast. Or $71.1 billion, I'm sorry. $71.1 billion for 2019-2020. Uh, that's in Alberta. And I gave you some numbers on British Columbia, and you know what it is in uh, 
in Ontario, and Mr. Trudeau is going to promise things that cost billions that he doesn't have. Russ is in High River, Alberta. Russ, do you, do you buy this stuff? When, you, when, when they're throwing money around or numbers around, do you even listen? But at the same time, what do you say to your fellow Canadians who do listen, who do buy into it, and are not willing to accept the fact that for the next eight generations we're going to be paying for the bills that are incurred today? Well, most people I talk to, Roy, are... Are my, are my age? I'm, I'll be straightforward. I'm, I'm 68. I just sit here and shake my head. I lived through Ralph's reduction, and when we and I helped party when when we when we had no deficit. So I just shake my head. I just don't understand why people think they can get something for nothing. I think most of the people that Kathleen has gained are all young people who have no idea. I I would love to see us not be able to vote unless you paid actual land taxes. And then see what would be who would be in power. I think you'd see a huge change. You talked about a generational thing, and I will never forget that Tom Caldwell on this program, the chairman of Caldwell Securities, said, "We're in, and we're kind of the same her- same same uh, generational uh, group here, Russ. Uh, you and I." Um, Tom Caldwell said that when we were kids, when we were young, when we were buying our first items that we couldn't really afford. We were, we were buying them on credit. We wanted to know how much it was, but without slamming, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but today's generation asks, can I make the payments? They don't ask how much it costs. They don't care how, how long they have to spread out the payments for. 72 months for a car. It, you know, they just want to know if they can make the payments. Governments don't even know. Don't even ask that. No, it's just how much can I spend to get your vote? Governments aren't governments anymore. They're just there to to serve their own purposes. They do not service the people, and they have no inclination and no idea about paying bills. You know, I, I found ironic the other the other day. I was watching Kathleen win, and I really hope Ford wins. And for the only reason is we can start getting some kind of semblance back is that I listened to on to Quebec bragging about having a surplus. They had a surplus because they got 11.5 billion equalization payments from from um, Ottawa. So they are running as big a deficit as, as Ontario, and people don't speak of that. Can you imagine? Then, at least, then the, the federal government should keep the money and quit giving it back to the provinces just because they can keep borrowing. That's Yeah, that's and Alberta, wrong. the trouble that you're in in Alberta financially now, which is not of your doing, uh, well, it is a little bit of your doing because you didn't put money away for the, for a rainy day. Um, but uh, the money that you have, that you do, the money that you don't have is still going to Quebec. So figure, th- work on that for a bit. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate the call. Back to Toronto. And Andrew, how are you, Andrew? I'm good, Charles. Thanks for taking my call. Just a couple of points before I get to my main point. Um, you know, I did a paper back in the 80s. I took political science in, in university, and nothing's changed. The paper was uh, skepticism, and the main objective of, of uh, parties and leaders is to get reelected. And you're exactly right. They're trying to save their hides right now. Yep. And um, just in terms of what I was going to say, uh, it, it has to do with, uh, you know, the spending and having smell tested some of these some of these ideas i did really with my basic math smell tested the the child care and it doesn't make sense i think they base it on current numbers but if somebody who's paying or not paying they're staying home 
let's say a, a family is staying home, right now it's less than 50% of, of uh, families within that uh, bracket, and I, I got this from StatsCan, within that bracket with kids with preschool, less than 50% put their kids in, in registered daycare. Well, that number is going to skyrocket when you're getting $17,000 back in your pocket. You're going to see that number skyrocket, and I'm pretty sure when they crunch those numbers to make them look a little bit more palatable, they provided the numbers based on that data, but it's going to double. You're going to have 80% of, of families in that bracket mm-hmm. put their kids in. Why wouldn't you? Well, just take, a look, just, just take a look at what happened in Quebec. They promised the seven-day daycare, and they delivered the seven-day daycare, uh, but it was to a very limited number of people, and the cost of that seven-day daycare was insane. Now, what Wynn is promising is $2.2 billion over three years to provide some parents with free childcare, but everyone reads or everyone hears free childcare for me, not for some, or I'll be among those some. Andrew, I appreciate the call. Thank you, sir, so very much. Dave is in Vancouver. Dave, go ahead, please. Well, you know, Roy, what we're looking at is a different type of voter. In the old days, we had the independent voter. Today, we have the dependent voter. We saw this in the province of British Columbia, where the NDP just threw anything against the wall. Some of the bleep stuck to the wall. And, you know, $10 a day, daycare, et cetera, et cetera. And they did very well in the municipal uh, big city uh, ridings. And uh, in the interior, they only have four seats. They don't care. On the federal level... Justin did the same thing. So I would think the politicians will continue to do this. You know, as they say, as you point out, Catherine Wynn, just throw it against the wall. Problems in the world. You know, I mean, uh, it's, it's so utterly true. By the way, your last guest was great. I should point out to him, he mentioned about a blue moon. We do have a blue moon tonight as an amateur astronomer. I wanted to point that out to him. Okay, well, good news. Maybe they'll start paying their bills. No, the politicians, they now realize, you know, as I say, you got the independent voter, and he expects the government to take care of him. It's a sad, sad commentary, but it's going to be more and more basically in the urban uh, type ridings, and uh, I don't think there's an answer. Uh, municipally, provincially, federally. And not only that, of course, tomorrow's April Fool's, and that's when a lot of taxes come in, and we pay more in gasoline out here in Vancouver as that goes up on the carbon tax, so we, we are total fools. That's why I'm talking about it today instead of tomorrow. Well, great, Roy. I always love the program. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. He's right. They target uh, specific areas like urban areas where they large, huge urban areas where there's a major concentration of votes, and they focus a lot of their promises on those urban areas. Walter's in Lamont, Alberta. Walter, we're going to end this segment with your call. 60 seconds, sir. Go ahead. Well, this is an important call, Roy. I, I would hope that uh, you could form a coalition of, of talk show hosts, uh, Taxpayer Federation, and so on, to hit these guys, this uh, party in power uh, with a uh, bill that uh, is signed, a mobilization of all Canadians. It will hit them where they'll really feel the greenhouse gas. But a, a, a pass a bill... Uh, that ag- agreed to by all Canadians that they will forfeit yeah, their pension. Yeah, it's it's a nice idea. It's a nice idea, Walter. But if we had a if we had a coalition, if we had a group of talk show hosts, you'd need more than a speaker to quell all the arguments. But, but Roy, forfeit their pensions if they exceed the spending by more than ten percent. If everybody signs on to that, um, you know, I believe that. That could be accomplished. You know, I agree with you. I agree with you on this, and I thank you for the call, sir. I agree with you on this. 
we have to have a national point of view. And it has to be, I think, two things. One, we can't continue to go into debt. And number two, and these are interchangeable, so one and one A, or however we want to put it, let us maximize, maximize getting at our massive natural resources, let us maximize the opportunity to get them to international markets, let's maximize the dollars that come back to our treasury in return, and let's maximize the benefits to Canadians that way. That, my friends, is called responsibility. When we come back, Dan McTague, for 18 years, he was a liberal member of parliament. Not anymore. He's not a member of any caucus. He calls it the way he sees it. And we'll talk to Dan about some of these issues, including where we're going with our fuel prices. That's another beauty. That is another beauty. Why are people in this country not going bonkers over the massive costs of filling up gas tanks? Stick around. <laughs> 